to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. Well, good evening, everyone. We are going to uh, begin going through the book of Psalms. And just in case this sounds like uh, a repeat performance, yes, it's been 11 years since I began the book of Psalms in 2011. Um, But, you know, I don't know about you, but I read through the book of Psalms every year, and it's always applicable to uh, whatever we're going through, whatever we're dealing with, whatever the situation is in the world. So it's always um, up to date. Uh, God's Word is always perfect. Um, so we're going to go through it again. The last time we did it, um, it was uh, a little bit more technical, a little bit more historical, a little bit more background um, if you want all of those elements, uh, I think there's, the old messages are still up on the website. You can go and get them and listen to them. Uh, this time, I, I just felt like the Lord was, was telling me, go through them like devotions. Because these can be something that we can read through and we can, we can just say, yeah, I, yeah, David, I, I, that's exactly what I'm dealing with. Or, yeah, I feel like I'm being persecuted. Or, or I feel like the wicked are always, you know, uh, you know, getting their way. And, you know, sometimes I feel like God is, is not doing anything about it. Yeah, I can, I can relate. I can relate. So I think um, we're just going to, it's just going to be a little bit of a different aspect. We'll just give you a little bit, just a very little bit of introduction you know, just the, you know, it, it's really the psalms are praises, praises that are meant to be sung. So they are related to music, and, you know, music really has um, a great impact on all of our lives. They call it the universal language, and I believe that it is. Um, you know, when we hear a song, the melody, all of a sudden we know it, and it doesn't matter what language it's, uh, it's sung in, we, we know the song. And so there's something about um, things that are set to music that we remember, that makes an impact on us. Um, they have a universal quality. They, they can offer us comfort and peace and um, answers sometimes for our doubt. But we don't have to be a, a, a Bible scholar to understand them, which is beautiful. They're very, they're simple in the way that we can relate to them. You don't have to understand uh, the history of the, of the Jewish people to understand the Psalms, really because we see the heart of the psalmist. It speaks to every area of the human experience, the human need, and the human condition. And it also speaks to every area of the world's condition, whatever is happening in the world. So we can relate. 
So I think that's why there's, that in addition to the fact that they were meant to be sung, that they were meant to be songs, and you'll notice as we go through, if we, if we get far before the Lord returns, you'll see many of, the, um, many of the titles will actually have musical direction in them. And like I said, the last time we kind of delved into a little bit more of the details on that stuff. This time, we're not going to really do that as much. But, you know, you've, you've, you know, you've recited the Psalms. You've seen uh, the Psalms on posters and, uh, you know, on placards. And people have them hanging in their homes because they give us peace. They give us comfort. They give us, you know, a sense of that God is with us. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. How encouraging is that Psalm? is that verse, right? That, that the Lord will always be with me. That no matter what I'm going through, no matter what is shaking me in this world, the Lord is not surprised by it and He's not shaken by it, right? When my heart is overwhelmed, and how many times you know, are our hearts just overwhelmed? Is there so much going on in our lives? Is there so much coming at us? Do we feel sometimes that we're being attacked or being persecuted and we are feeling overwhelmed? There's, there's, just, there's, we, there's just no way that we can, on our own, get through the situation we're in, yet lead me to that rock. What, who is that rock? That rock is Jesus Christ, the one who never changes, the one who's always there, the one who offers stability in an unstable world. That's what we need in this life, right? God is our, what, our refuge. You know, the one that we run to when we feel that we just have, we have nowhere else to go. He's the one we run to. He's the one that we can hide behind, hide within. He's our strength. He's the one that, you know, those two things seem at odds with one another, right? Now, we run away. We don't think about being strong, but yet he gives us the strength. God gives us the strength to get through the trouble that we're in. A very present help in trouble. Now, when I need it the most, God. You know, and sometimes we feel like, right, the Lord isn't answering our prayers because we're waiting and waiting and waiting. But His timing is always perfect. Look what it says there. He's a very present help in trouble. Present. Whenever you need it. You may, not, you may feel like you need it now, but God says, I have something better for you. Remember when uh, Lazarus died, right? And Jesus was in another town, and, it, and it, he, he heard that Lazarus was very ill, ill unto death, the Bible says. And yet he waited another few days before he made the journey to go to see Lazarus and his family and Mary and Martha and all of those who were around him. By the time he got there, Lazarus was dead. And remember Martha asking him, Lord, you know, if you had been here sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But God had something greater. You know, his timing is always perfect. So even though when we're going through something, we want the answer now. We want it. We want to know exactly what to do. We want God to take away the burden that we're going through. God says, my timing's perfect. Be patient. Wait upon me. Right? 
And his, he'll be there when it's needed. One of my favorite, favorite uh, passages, I lift up my eyes to the mountains or to the heavens. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, you know, whose feet will not stumble. You know, we stumble around in this world. We stumble around in our lives. We sometimes don't know what we're doing, but God is always perfect. He knows everything, and He does everything perfectly. So where do we look? Where do we look when, our, when, when there's nowhere else to go? When our, when our friends maybe abandon us, or we, we don't feel like we can tell them the things that we're going through. When our family doesn't understand, where do we go? Well, we lift our eyes up to the heavens. That's where our help really comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. You know, and some people then use the Psalms, right? You know, seven Psalms to calm anxiety. You know, all of these uh, prescriptions for, you know, uh, for, you know living a, a, a pleasant life. But, you know, that, that's not necessarily what the Psalms are meant for. They're to show us every aspect of the human condition. The times that we are anxious, we want to know, you know, how do I get through this, Lord? And it's not always a prescription, you know. We can't kind of put God in that box where, you know, okay, well, I'm going to recite this psalm at this time and it's going to always happen the same way. It doesn't happen like that. So, you know, using the Psalms in that way, you know, it's good to read through the Psalms, to study the Psalms. It's good to make application and and see, okay, Lord, what are you telling me through this? But 27 comforting Psalms, you know, uh, it's just, it seems like those kinds of things tend to, for me, it's kind of using God's Word. You know what I mean? Instead of applying God's Word. It's a big, that's a big difference. You know, we want, our, we want God's word to indwell us. We want it to be part of us so that, so that it's, just, it's just our natural way then to respond to the things in our lives, to the things in the world. You know, the book of Psalms is the Jewish songbook, right? So they actually would sing through many of these psalms with different instruments and different melodies and different, uh, you know, uh, you know d- some, sometimes they'd have a choir. Sometimes it would be, you know, the whole congregation singing the psalms. You know, and I mentioned on, on uh, Sunday during our worship time, you know, how when they dedicated the temple, right, uh, that was a psalm where they sang as a whole congregation. So some of the Psalms are not actually compiled into the book of Psalms, the 150 that we, that we uh, commonly know as the book of Psalms. Some of them are outside of that book. There are many songs, you know, songs of deliverance. There are many songs in the Scriptures. So God's people were a singing people. They were a musical people. You know, and you know how music has even sometimes has become somewhat uh, perverted and, uh, you know, and even 
you know, Christian music, we, we go through painstaking, um, you know, uh, just efforts to try to make sure that what we bring to you guys in worship is biblical, is worshipful, you know. And so, you know, music can be definitely, it's, it's part of our lives. So these psalms are kind of just a representation of that. It was used in temple worship. It was used in prayer and praise. And at home, people would sing songs. You know, families would, would gather together and sing the psalms together. You know, and we even see in the New Testament, you know, some of the, you know, the instances where, you know, Paul exhorts us to sing to one another in hymns and spiritual songs. You know, and those, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So, uh, you know, th- this, is, this is why the Psalms have been compiled and why people love them so much. You know, and in the early church, we see that. We see, you know, uh, you know examples of people singing together. And even references to the book of Psalms. You know, the book of Psalms is referenced more than any other Old Testament book in the New Testament. You know, it would, would make us think that it's pretty important. You know how many prophecies are in the book of Psalms prophesying of the coming Jesus? We would think that it would be important for us to know and to study and to hide in our hearts. You know, the Bible tells us to hide, our, hide his word in our heart that we may not sin against him. You know, and Psalms will help us do that. It's valuable for us as believers because it provides something to us as we read and we study the Psalms. It, first of all, it, it proves the deity of Jesus. It proves the claims of Christ that were prophesied in the Old Testament that Jesus claimed in the New Testament and that he fulfilled, for the most part, in his life and now he will, will be continued to be fulfilled into the future. So all of those things that we see in the Psalms that were prophesied of Jesus were evidence that Christ was who he said he was. It enhances our prayer and our devotional experience. You know, a lot of times our reading schedules will have an Old Testament passage, a Psalm, a Proverb, and a New Testament passage. You know, just to give us... a a little bit of a variety of God's Word, but the Psalms are many times right in the center of that. You know, just to, to help us with just devoting our life more to the Lord. And it, they expand our understanding and appreciation for God. We see God's heart. We see God's character. We see His power. We see His glory We see his wisdom in the Psalms. We see his mercy. And we sense it through the Psalm writers as they seek God and search for God and grasp for God in the midst of their difficulties that we can do the same thing. It's valuable to us. What do you value in this life, in this world? That's something that we should always be considering. What are we giving value to? 
And it should be God's word above every other thing. They deepen our knowledge and and relationship with God and help us understand the link between thanksgiving and contentment. There are thanksgiving psalms. There are many types of psalms. There are, you know, our laments, right? Those things that are just pouring our heart out, you know, when, when we just feel discouraged. You know, and that's something that's a human emotion. That's something that we all deal with. But there are psalms of thanksgiving, psalms of praise. But thanksgiving is related directly to contentment because when we're thankful for what we have, then we're content. You know, we're not always looking for that next, next thing that's going to satisfy us. We're receiving from the Lord what he desires to give us and we're content in that and then we're grateful for that. So when we express thanksgiving to God, it's just our way of saying, God, I'm satisfied with what you've given me. I'm satisfied, Lord. I'm not looking anywhere else. I'm content in what you've given me, God. Boy, what an awesome place that is when we get there. And we're not always there. I mean, I'm not always there. You know, sometimes I'm there and sometimes I feel like I'm striving and, and you know, and clawing for that next best thing. But, but I, think, I think, you know, when we talk about in comparison to, to the world, you know, uh, you know, those who don't know God, those who are always striving for that next best thing, those, are, those who are trying to claw their way up in the, you know, corporate world or in their position in their job or whatever it is, you know, it's, there's no contentment there. You know, the, the, first, the, the, the New Testament says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment. We live a godly life. We're content with what we have. We're thankful to God for what we have. What else do we need? Godliness with contentment. And then they also teach us the godly response to sorrow the godly response to sorrow and to difficulties, to fear, to discouragement? How do we respond to anger the right way? How do we respond to disbelief, to victory, and to joy? You know, there's a wrong way to respond to joy. Did you know that? There's a wrong way to, do, to respond to victory. You know, we don't want to, we don't want to, uh, you know, uh, Flaunt it. We don't want to be, uh, you know, prideful when we have victory in our life. We want to always give the glory to God, right? So there's a right way and a wrong way to respond to everything that we go through. The Psalms are great in that they explore and explain our feelings. And, you know, sometimes feel, F E E L, in the, the Christian culture, it can be a four-letter word that people say, oh, no, 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 you can't have feelings. Feelings are the opposite of faith. Feelings are the opposite of, you know, a, a godly, godly living. But we can't, we can't avoid our feelings. We can't ignore our feelings. We can try to, you know, uh, inform our lives to the, to the fact that, you know, God's always in charge. And so that when, when we, we can, 
we can respond to things in a way where our feelings are more in line, right, with God. But our feelings are part of who we are. They're our emotions. You know, it's how God created us. He doesn't want us to, to leave them, you know, outside of the church doors or, or, or anywhere. They, he, he, he made us this way. So he understands that, and the Psalms relate to that. They help us with emotions. But it also helps us relate to God, you know, in the proper way. How do we relate to God? How do we respond to God? You know, when things are going on in our lives. And how do we respond to the world? So it's, it's a response to ourselves, to our own innermost, you know, emotions and uh, thoughts and, and all of the things that go on in our lives. It's a response to that. It's a response to God. It's a response, you know, how do we respond to other believers? But how do we respond to the world? Because the Bible tells us that we're in the world, although we're not of the world. And we sense the world kind of, you know, when we mention the world, when, you know, when the Bible in the Psalms, they mention the nations a lot. You know, the nations, the nations. You know, we don't think of it in the way that, that it was meant back then. When, when the psalmists write about the nations, they're talking about the unbelievers, the heathens. Because Israel was supposed to be God's chosen, the ones who followed him, and everyone else was following some false god. All the other surrounding nations were, 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 were heathens, were, were unbelievers, were following some other gods, some false gods. So the only nation that was supposed to, that well, God wanted all nations to follow him, but they didn't. But even Israel didn't follow God, you know. And, you know, in, in our lives, we don't always follow God. So when the, when the Psalms talk about the nations, it's talking about those outside of a relationship with God. You know, we're going we're gonna to look at um, two Psalms tonight. I think we're going to only have time to go through two Psalms. So if you could turn with me to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. And it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the river, rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also, also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous." but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now this is, uh, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are uh, orphan psalms. 
They're not attributed to any author. A lot of the Psalms you'll see as we go through them will say a Psalm of David, right? A Psalm of Asaph. Kind of tells you right up front who the author is. These don't have any author. But I think they're, what they are, they're meant to kind of give us a foundation in this whole book of Psalms to give us a basis for what the rest of the, rest of the book of Psalms is going to tell us. So, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So we see this progression, right? Or regression of, of what an ungodly man will do. And the blessings that God is telling us that will come when we don't do these things. So what is the walking? The walking is kind of, is the same, maybe we can relate it to listening. Are you, what are you listening to? Whose voices are you listening to? Are you listening to the ungodly? Are you taking counsel from people who don't know the Lord? Are you receiving um, you know, advice? Are you, um, you know, are you listening? Are you internalizing? Are you, uh, is it true? Is it, is it, is it false? Is it honoring God? What are you listening to? You know, that's the same sort of as walking. Walking is, it's kind of a thing that we do. We keep moving as we, you know, we go through this world. We listen. Things come through our ears, right? Through our eyes. And they, start to affect us and they start to inform what we do. And they start to have this influence over us. So what are we listening to? Who are we listening to? So the the man who is blessed is the one who's not receiving counsel from the ungodly. The one who's blessed doesn't stand in the path of sinners. You know, when you walk, uh, when you walk along, and you decide, oh, you're going to stand for a moment. You know, you're making a decision now, right? This is kind of where you decide to hang out. You know, are, are you, you know, walking, you can move and you can keep growing. And you can, you know, if, if you're listening to the right things, if you're following the Lord. But when you start, when you stand, now it's a different story. Now you're making this decision that you're going to, you're going to just remain here for a little while. And what does that mean in your, in your life, in my life? And then sitting, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So sitting is now kind of where you choose to live. Not, you know, Jamesburg or Monroe, or, but where are you living your life spiritually? Where are you living your life? Where are you putting down roots is what this is talking about. Where are you putting down roots? So we walk, but then we stand, and then when we sit, we're getting comfortable, right? We're, we're kind of making this our home. So is it, is it with the ungodly? And it's not ungodly people. It's ungodly, an ungodly culture. It could be people. I mean, it could be, there could be people in your life that are not a good influence on you. That's a decision you make. You can maybe walk with them, but you shouldn't stand and sit. But are you sitting, are you getting comfortable in a culture 
that's anti-God? That's a good question. Are we getting comfortable? Are we deciding to just sit? Sit because, well, because it's too much, it's too difficult to fight against it. I, I, can get, I get that. I get that. It seems like every day there's, an, a, there's another attack, right, on Christianity. There's another attack on believers. There's another attack on God. And do we continue to fight and fight and fight and we get tired and we want to rest and so we decide to sit with the culture and get comfortable with the culture because it's easier than fighting against it. And I get that. I, I understand that. Or your friends on Facebook. You know, do you, do you get comfortable there instead of going back and, and, and honoring God with your, with your posts, with your tweets, with your responses to things? Are you honoring God in those things? Or are you sitting? And, you know, silence is the same as sitting sometimes. So, you know, it's, it, you know we don't like to fight our battles in the public, uh, you know, on, on social media, but sometimes people have to know where we stand, where we sit. Are we sitting with uh, the culture? But the opposite, this is the, this is the blessed, this is the one who receives blessings from God. Do you want God's blessings? That's really the question here of Psalm 1. Do you want his blessings or not? Because the one who wants his blessings, what? Delights in his law. Delights in the Bible. Do you delight in the Bible? You know, I was talking to... I don't know when, it, maybe it was a men's meeting or something, we were talking about the Bible reading schedules that most of us have. And we go through them, you know, and sometimes we don't. Um, but does it feel like a burden or does it feel like a delight? Right? When you delight in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart, the Bible says. Are you delighting in God? Are you delighting in his word? Is it a pleasure to you? to read his word. And then in his law, he meditates day and night. Meditating, that's ruminating. That's like, you know, it's like, you know, a cow chewing his cud, bringing it back up. And throughout the day, you know, you know it's, I've, I've heard it said that they go out in the morning when it's cool and the dew is on the grass and they, and they kind of feed and they, you know, fill themselves for the day. And then throughout the day, they go to a shady place and they kind of bring it back up and they ruminate and they, and they chew the cud and they get their nutrition. and That's what we're supposed to do with God's Word. Which is why I think it's a good idea to, you know, depending on your work schedule or whatever, you know, to early in the day or whenever you start your day to get into the, the Word of God and then to allow it to then kind of, you know, affect you and influence you throughout the day. And then you go back and you say, oh man, that verse, that was such a great verse this morning. Or that was a great passage today. And, and look, I was able to use it or, you know, it, it, it applied to my life, to my situation and how awesome. What, that's what you do with God's word. And you, know, you not only delight in it, but you meditate on it, right? 
And then again, like we said before, now you put down roots, right? He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Are you now planting yourself? Are you abiding in Christ? You know, in John 15, it tells us about abiding with Christ, right? So that we can bear much fruit. There's always that imagery of us, of us being planted, putting down roots right next to, in God, in Christ, so that now we, we go out into this world and we can bear fruit for the kingdom. Are we doing that? Do you feel like you're Do you feel like you're planted right by God, that you receive from him those those rivers of of flowing water, right, just overwhelming you, that that grace, that mercy, his word is enveloping you, it's it's pouring over you. Do you feel like that's what your life is like, that you're putting down roots there, that now you can go out into this world and you can be a witness for Jesus because of that? Or do you feel like you're, you're, you're withering under the pressure of, of, a, of, a, of an ungodly world? And when it says here, whatever he does shall prosper, that's not financially or, or you know, materially. That's not what the prosper is. Prosper in a way that you will, you will have a, a deep, rooted, beautiful intimate relationship with the King of Kings, with the Lord of Lords, with the one who created you, who knows what's best for you, then you prosper. Then you prosper. But no, the ungodly are not so. See, the, the opposite of putting down roots and it being stable, you know, we were just talking in the staff meeting before about this, the, the tree that's out by the road here that's uh, you know, that's tipping over. I don't know if you noticed it as you drive up from Jamesburg, but that one plum is kind of on, an, on like a, almost like a 45-degree angle. And it's because the roots weren't put down deep enough when it was originally planted. And then over the years, it just kept leaning and leaning and leaning. and le- You know, that's like us. Are we putting our roots down so that we can be always connected to God? Or do we start to lean? Do we start to sway? Right? Are we, are we unstable? You know, like the chaff which the wind drives away. You know, the chaff is the, is the lightest part of the wheat. You, you hold it up and, and you go like this with it and it just blows away. There's no weight to it. There's no substance to it. There's no nutrition in it. There's nothing good about it. Is that what we want for our lives? Are we going to be stable? Are we going to, be, are we going to put roots down in, in our lives with Jesus? Or are we going to be just like the chaff, just blown away with the things of the world and you know, allow everything to kind of influence us, to, to sway us in one direction or another? Or are we going to be blessed by God and deeply rooted in him. You know, and then the ungodly 
will not stand in the same judgment that we stand in. You know, there's a, there's a, a great white throne judgment that will eventually happen to those who are not in Christ. And there's another judgment that we will be judged as believers. And that's judged on what God's given us, on whether we used it for his glory, judged on our motives, and all of those things. But it's not the same judgment. The ungodly will be judged very, very differently. They're going to be judged on what they did with Jesus. That's it. What did you do with Jesus? God's going to say, what did you do with my son? Did you believe in my son? Did you receive my son? Did you walk with my son through your life? Did you make your passion wanting to do for the kingdom of God? Or was your passion all about yourself? Those are the questions, and the ungodly will be judged according to that. But God knows the way of the righteous, and we're not righteous. You know, we, we have to remember the terminology in the Scriptures sometimes can get a little confusing. We're not righteous because we're so good. We're not righteous, you know, because of anything that we've done. We're righteous because of that great exchange that God gives us, the righteousness of Christ for our sin, right? That he takes our sin upon him and he transfers the righteousness of Jesus Christ into our lives. So then God looks at us at that time of judgment and sees Jesus Christ and we're judged according to that. He knows that. He knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king upon my, on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. Do you sense, do you sense the world, the nations, raging against God. Do you sense that in the culture? I do. I sense that. I, I, it's, it's not even hidden any longer. 
It's out in the open. From the, from the talk shows that blame Christians for mass shootings to, you know, to shutting down churches to, you know, blaming, you know, Christians for everything under the sun. I see a culture raging against God. Raging against God. And they plot, of, you know, they're, they're making plans, right, to try to overthrow God, to take God out of the, you know, of society completely, out of the schools, out of, you know, the, the public square. They're plotting all of those things. But, you know, notice that they're plotting a vain thing because God's going to win out. God's going to win out. You know, the kings of the earth, the ones that are in charge, the, you know, the rulers, the leaders of this world, they set themselves, they take counsel together, they, they hold meetings to how, how do we overthrow God? How do we get God out of everything? And they come up with these plans to do so. And, and they, they counsel together. They take counsel against the Lord and his anointed. Who's his anointed? Jesus. This is not against some, you know, uh, you know, uh, God and big guy in the heavens kind of thing with a white beard. This is against Jesus Christ, the Son of the Living God. This is who they're taking counsel to go against. They're setting themselves up against Jesus Christ. Why? Because they feel constrained by God. They feel like they're, they're, they're being put on, uh, you know, all of these, this bondage. They're in bondage to the rules and the regulations and to Christianity and to what the Bible says. It's, it's too restrictive. It's too oppressive. It's too judgmental. And yet they're in bondage to their own sin like we all were. I know what real bondage feels like. Real bondage is being in bondage to a sinful life. How do I get out of this? How do I break free of that? Yet they're trying to break free of what they see as, interpret as bondage to relationship with Jesus. Where, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? There's freedom. We have freedom in Jesus Christ. We're not in bondage to rules and regulations. We get to have a relationship with the living God through His Son, Jesus Christ. How awesome is that? That's not bondage. That's not bondage, but the world sees it that way. That's why God, you know, He sits in the heavens and He, he laughs, but not... not in that, not in the cruel way that you might think. You know, he's not laughing in a, in a cruel way. He's laughing because he, he knows. He, 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 has, an, he has the answer. And, and the, they're not listening. The world isn't listening. The culture doesn't care. And God has the answer. He shall speak to them. See, God eventually is going to have the last word. He's going to have the last word. And we can, we can sit down in the council of the culture 
and get swayed by the things of the world, or we can go against the grain and go against the tide and feel like we're, you know, kind of weird, (laughs) because the world will tell us that. But the Bible also tells us that we're a peculiar people. God's people are a peculiar people. So, welcome to the club. But, but the, sometimes the world makes us feel peculiar, weird. But that's okay. Because God's going to have the last word. Because he has set a king above the kings of the earth. There's a king of kings and a lord of lords that is above all of these rulers, all of these leaders, all of these guys who gather in the dark rooms to make these plans, to plot against God, to get him out of the the public square, to get him out of all of our lives. There's a king of kings above all of that. And it's the Son of God. It's Jesus Christ. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. God doesn't want to hold back from us. That's not his plan. His plan isn't to make our lives miserable and to put us under all of these rules and regulations and, and just to make us you know, walk around with our heads down and, uh, you know, oh, woe is me, I'm a Christian, I have to obey all these rules and... You know, no, God wants to give you, what did Jesus say in John 10? He said, I have come that you may have an an abundant life. You know, the enemy of your soul, the devil, wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the truth. That's the truth that the world doesn't want to hear. That the enemy of your soul wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus wants to give you an abundant life, an abundant life. Ask of me and I'll give you everything. Do we ask? Do we believe? Do we trust in God? But he's going to break them with a rod of iron. He shall dash them like a potter's vessel. vessel. You know, the Bible calls us clay pots, basically. With the most made with the most basic of of um, materials, you know what did God what did God create Adam out of? The dust, the dust of the earth, dirt. That's what we're created out of, folks. There's nothing good inside of us except what God puts inside of us. But we're we have a treasure, the Bible says, in earthen vessel, vessels. You know what that treasure is? That treasure is the gospel. That treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So now we can be a clay pot, but we're carrying a message of of gold to the world around us. But just like we're clay pots, those ones who are plotting against God, he's eventually going to break them, dash them to pieces. And then he gives some advice to the kings of the earth. He tells them, okay, be wise now. Be instructed. I'm trying to help you here. I'm trying to help you. I'm giving you advice. If only they would follow. You know, we pray. Do we not pray for our leaders all the time? Do we not pray that they get saved? 
Do we not pray that, you know, that, the, that all of the government is, is, is believers and that they will be following? How much this world would be different? You know, the world says, you know, Christians, the reason why we're at war is because of religion, which is probably true, actually. Because we're not talking about religion, but if there was a relationship, but if, if every leader in this world had a relationship with Jesus Christ, a true relationship with Jesus, this world would be totally different. So God here is giving them advice. He's telling them, be wise, you leaders. Be wise. What? Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling with awe, with respect, with reverence. Honor God. Glorify God with your lives. And you'll rejoice. And you'll be blessed. Kiss the Son. Kiss the Son. This is having an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Lest He be angry. Boy, we we don't want to make God angry. But... You know, the world, the, the culture, the leaders, entertainment, you name it, they don't care. They don't care about making God angry. Everything they do makes God angry pretty much. From the corrupt politicians in office to the, to the perverted things that they put in, out in movies and television to you name it. You don't think God's angry? You bet he's angry. But he also desires that none should perish, the Bible says. None. If anyone like you or I or anyone in a leadership position in this world or anyone with influence, anyone who is in, in any type of uh, you know, position falls on their knees in, in humility and goes before Jesus and says, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin. He will receive him. He will by no means cast you away. You humble yourself before God. Don't continue to rage against God. It's vain. It's vain. It's empty. It's not going to get you anywhere. I know we all tried it. I tried it for years, raging against God. And you finally give in, right? And you don't feel like you've actually given in. You feel like you've received everything in the world. And then every day you walk, every day you stand, every day you sit in a godly place, He blesses you. May we never, ever forget that. Let's pray. Lord, we don't know, well, we do know what this world is coming to, but we also pray for anyone who is right now still fighting against your call, your draw to them. We ask, Lord, that you would draw them closer even now. That as we study your word together, as we understand you better, Lord, we understand also um, just 
how fragile this world is and how easily it can sway us to go in, a, in the wrong direction. And Lord, you're, you're gracious. You're merciful. But for those who are still fighting against you, I pray right now that they're changing that, their mind. I pray right now that anyone either in this room or online who doesn't want to continue that fight against you gives in. Maybe there's someone watching tonight or might watch in the future that just says, I give up, God. I know you, want the, you have the best for me. And I want to follow you. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and if it's just the uh, desire of your heart, repeat it after me, and um, then just let us know. Call us. Send us an email. We'll send you out some materials. But stop fighting against God. Stop fighting. Just pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've fought against you. But Lord, I give up. I know you have the best for me. I repent of my sinful life. I turn from that and turn to you, the giver of an abundant life, the giver of blessings. And I receive you into my heart today that I may walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you did pray that, whether you're here, or I think I know most of you here, but if you're online or you're listening at some later date, let us know. Because it's the most important decision you'll ever make. There won't be any other decision ever that'll be more important than that. But why don't we stand and we'll close in worship. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossroads. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.